What is going on, Hoboken and beyond? I'm Thomas DeFazio on a beautiful Saturday morning, and the local townies at the bar call me DJ TD Fizzle, and I am sitting across from my coffee-drinking co-host. Oh, good morning, sir. This is your co-host, J.G. Wedgemont, and we are live from Hoboken looking at the island of uh, Manhattan. It's shining beautifully today. Thank the Lord. The, I think our club, the Where the Fuck is Spring Club, is actually uh, celebrating. They're, 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 they're very much out in full force Absolutely. today. Absolutely. You know, it's what we would call a sundress season. It was what uh, women would call I'm getting harassed in the street again season, which mm-hmm. is, we do not. Catcalling season. Do, it's definitely catcalling season. We do not condone catcalling on the pod. However, I do love sundresses on women, so that's a it's a it's not a bad thing. It's it's look, you want to dress your part, and when spring comes, what I know about spring is that sundresses come out, good clothing come out that's been in the closet all winter. You know, I'll tell you what I was thinking about this and, and the downsides of spring mm. and summer, and I have to say I think I think the male fashion game has a strong potential to go down very quickly. Really, in the in the spring and summer, more so the summer because. Now you're just trying to stay cool. There's only so many ways in which you can wear like cool tank tops and uh, and button downs and shorts. Oh, yeah. Until it's like kind of like uh, you have a, you have a formula. It's a little cookie cutter. I'm gonna but be in the fall and spring, you can do jackets, right. pants, right. boots, shoes, loafers, All of it. colorful socks, um, uh, the uh, a tasteful hat. Mm. You know, a tasteful yeah, beanie. Yeah. You know, I think that it's. You know, I'm a sweater, right? Like, I sweat. Mm. Not all the time. I mean, but I do sweat. And then if I get hot, you know, I'm going to take my clothes off. And so in the summer, I'm wearing shorts, no shirt, maybe sandals. Boom. That's what I'm doing. There you go. In the winter, we used to make a joke at Iona that the the uniform for women in the winter would be a North Face uh, leggings and Uggs. So Mm. in the summer, it's in spring, it's sundress season when we go outside. I hope to see some uh, some people enjoying themselves in the warm weather. At, at Villanova, it was bean boots. Ah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But you know, there's a uniform for the seasons, and I'm I'm hundred percent. I'm quite happy that the the season, the newer season, is here. And um, you know, we're recording on a on a Saturday, the 14th num- uh, number of the pod. Boom. Very happy to be here this uh, this day. And you know, I was talking to TD Fizzle over here, and I'm like, dude. You know, we've spoken a lot about sports. We love sports. Uh, I think our listeners need a little more broccoli in their in their uh, in their food. <laughs> oh. A little bit. No, but I mean, only because like there's so much going on right now, bro. It's true. It's crazy. It's very true. The world, geopolitically and politically, is a very totally is a very complex place, and it's consistently changing. It's almost it's. Uh, I, I was kind of thinking about this. It's adult reality television. Oh, yeah. Uh, you don't need to watch Jersey Shore to read about drama. Or and the Floribama Shore. The Floribama Shore to watch, <laughs> to like learn about drama. And he said, she said, and right. all the shit. You can literally open the New York Times and Wall Street Journal, CNN, whatever you want, whatever you read, and you're going to see what Trump is tweeting at, which senator's upset about this, or what Kim Jong-un's big button on his desk is doing. Yeah, like, it's it's it's... It's honestly the degradation, degradation of of you know our society and our and our civil discourse, which is a fucking shame. Mm. But it starts from the top. At the top of our government at the moment is our president Donald Trump. Uh, Donnie T is making a gambit right now. Well, let me just back up for a second. So we decided to do a little bit thing called a ra- ooh, what was that? Gum? Blue tack. Oh, oh, he uh, TD Fizzle did a little blue tech on the uh, on his desk. Point is, we decided to do the pod 
around the world. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Because there's a shit ton of things. So, so what does that mean? So what does it mean? We're just going to, today's episode, we're going to look around the world, kind of see what's going on, and really kind of reflect our bio on our SoundCloud, which is looking around the world and see this crazy, uh, crazy little blue Trying orb. to debunk, uh, yeah. debunk it all. A lot of all stuff right. going on. So TD Fizzle, you probably heard about this, mm. our, uh, our upcoming Secretary of State, if he's confirmed, Mike Pompeo, mm. he's ahead of the CIA. Right. He's uh, he's a he's a uh, he's a guy, and he he, uh, <laughs> he got sent to uh, North Korea to go speak to those uh, to the North Koreans about right. uh, nuclearization in a summit with Donny T. Mm-hmm. On a serious note, you know if. Donald Trump is trying to make a gambit to denuclearize the the Korean Peninsula, which is uh, which is something we all want. I think it's a good idea. I say yeah, um, it's a good idea. But uh, there's a summit coming on; it could go wrong. And what what, what do you think about that? Do you think it's going to work? So, I mean, initially, you know, your blood pressure tends to spike a little bit when you when you're reading about who has a bigger red button, right? And uh, so. That, that had me a little stressed out. I definitely at least had one existential crisis. Like, I'm in one of the most populous and well-known cities in the world. Yeah. And it seems yeah, very Hoboken, possible that you yeah. could send out— Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hoboken, New Jersey. And it's very it's very easy to, for for New York City and most more specifically Hoboken, New Jersey, right. to be a nuclear target. Oh, yeah, And absolutely. so is there any way I'll survive that? No. Probably not. No. And so— Existentially, I totally had a little freak out, and I had to bring myself back down to earth. Uh, what I what I've been finding comforting, though, is first it started with um, uh, it started with North Korea and South Korea bridging uh, uh, tensions a little bit yep. by going Coming to together. the Olympics. Exactly. And then they had a sort of sort. They had their own kinds of meetings to kind of talk about their own relationship. Some back channeling. Exactly. Um, whether whether whatever, regardless of the stress that the U.S. gets from that, I think at all mending tensions of a of that kind of uh, scale, even if it doesn't include the United States, is good. People worry that the the, the main concern was that. Oh no, South Korea, one of our closest allies, is mending with one of our closest seem to be perceived enemies. Right. And so. Luckily enough, we, we, we keep fast-forwarding, moving through all the drama of it, because there's a lot of drama. Right. Um, uh, we saw that now the summit's coming up, and Trump is getting ready to meet with him. And uh, I saw a headline that said that Kim Jong-un is getting ready, like, there's no need for more nuclear testing, and they're, they're stopping the site tests and, right. and uh, what they said ahead yes- of the summit. What they said, you know, yesterday was that the North Koreans said that they will end their nuclear program Without condition, meaning that we do not have to, uh, or we as in the United States and South Korea don't have to forfeit whatever we do, which is keeping a nuclear umbrella, uh, basically keeping a nuke for South Korea and Japan uh, on our military's behalf, you know, keeping them safe from attack. And... That's a lie. They're not going to do that. I mean, they, this is a this is a, uh, a regime that has been torturing their own people with three successions of of, uh, of a family line for about seventy years. I mean, this my grandfather was uh, in Ger- Germany during the Korean conflict and serving in the army. I mean, that's a long time ago. But if we do get uh, nuclear weapons out of the North Koreans, I will not be freaking out as much when I'm at, sitting at the bar saying, are we going to die soon? Yeah, it's, I mean, honestly, like, 
as much regardless of whether you hate Trump or not, what you have to do is like if you're if you're pro America, you're pro the world. You you want you want Trump to succeed, right? Like it, it, who gives a shit if you disagree with him uh, on whatever level you want to talk about? The what's important right now is that this summit is successful and we're actually able to find some sort of understanding. And that's I'll, what we need, right? And I'll tell you, give Donald Trump. Uh, credit because the last three presidents and have kicked the can down the road about this nuclear issue and he says listen i will use overwhelming force to dominate these these people and i'm going to walk away if it, if it doesn't work now that's pure bluster from the president mm. but t- typically in those societies that type of bluster does actually work when we have a crazy man at the at the helm you know it, it could actually do some uh, some damage and it seems to have coax the North Koreans and the South Koreans and say, listen, we don't want the crazy American president bombing the shit out of us. Maybe we should have a little bit of a of a peace treaty or something right. like that. I mean, we Trying. don't forget that this we haven't <laughs> had a peace treaty in North Korea, in South Korea, at all. It's no, no, they, they they have that... A truce. Uh, whatever the... Uh, is this, uh, the 74th or 47th parallel. I, I, something like that. It's it's one of, it's one of those two numbers. Is it the 84th but, um, parallel? It could even be that. It's uh, one of those numbers. Take a Google. And, take a Google. But uh, in that parallel, it's one of the most heavily militarized zones in the world. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it is... The most militarized place in the world, I think. Yeah. Um, what is it, a 38th parallel? It's actually, yeah, you're right. It's We, we Googled it. It's a 38th parallel. Nice. And, um, nice. And on, bo- on both edges, it is one of the, it's like, you could almost call it, it's like, no, it's dead, it's dead man's land. No oh, man's yeah. land. Right. And it's, uh, both sides are watching this. Have so. you ever seen a, a video of the North Koreans escaping uh, over the lines? I've heard, I've, I've, I've have heard of it. Dear God. I'm chasing after. Yeah, man, it's, it's scary. Scary stuff. It, it, it was cool, actually. Um, the uh, they actually so Amazon through the next two days, uh, April twenty, April twenty first to the twenty third, mm. and the listeners should look into this. They it's called books for the, books for the world or something like that, and it's in honor of International Book Day. And they have nine international books translated from their respective original languages into English. One of them talks about one man's escape from North Korea with his family. Really? And uh, it's uh, I, I downloaded it. They're all for free, by the way. So well, we'll be putting that on the Pod Book Club, mm-hmm. and uh, which we're very happy about. We've been we've been actually crushing a lot of books recently. We have been crushing eating books. Um, definitely, we'll be looking into that. That and. It's a it's a scary place. One thing that is is you have to look at strategically is the way that our military uh, and our America itself positions itself in that area compared to China, right? Hmm. So China wants a strong North Korea because it stands the backstop for American troops on this the Korean Peninsula. So what the what the issue is here when they when North Korea says we will not we will get rid of our nuclear weapons without precond without conditions, what they want to do is have all of the American troops out of South Korea. Mm. That's what they want. They want them out of South Korea because if the Koreans get back together, the North and South Korea, the, the country, right. as it was for centuries, mm-hmm. then you could prop, you could potentially have American troops on the Chinese border. Yeah. And they don't want that. Yeah. Not um, into it. I don't know if I see a scenario, at least in the immediate future, where it's going to be North and South become just Korea, mm-hmm. but the... Uh, I mean, it's an interesting prospect. I mean, it, I you'd have to... <laughs> Uh, they're they're just fundamentally two different political systems. You have one that's um, a totalitarian uh, political system, and I feel like that can be relatively generous for labeling. That it. is very and, generous. They are a terrible place. And uh, and then you have a democracy, right? 
<laughs> not a, without not without their own issues. A vibrant democracy, one yeah. of the most power and one of the, with with one of the greatest uh, economies in the world. Not the I mean the biggest, but a great economy. South Korea. Right. Is. And you look at the opinion polls in South Korea, which I sometimes do, mm. and you say, what do they want to do? They want to re- reunify or not reunify? You know, for. For past fifty years, people have wanted to re, uh, the the majority have wanted reunification, but the younger generation, our generation, which is becoming more and more powerful in, in South Korea, they go, why would I want to? Why would I want all of these people from North Korea coming over? And we're gonna have to take care of them like the East Germans did, right? When, or the West Germans did when the when the East Germany got reconnected. I mean, it's 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 a very it's a very complicated subject. Uh, I guess this is a great way for us to think about. Well, what, what what else is going on in the world? I mean, now where you, you want to go? You want to go south? Go, you want to go go Europe? Let's wanna, go to Europe. Well, you want to go? You want to go Europe? Want to jump to Europe? I want to jump to Europe. All right, so we'll jump so, to Europe. So yeah, Europe. Europa. Europe in the sense that, you know, uh, you're wait, thinking wait, wait, of, wait. If you're American outside the bathroom, what are you in the bathroom? Uh, I don't know. European. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, I hated it. <laughs> um. So what's interesting about dad joke? What's, what's interesting about Europe is uh, the idea that the European Union is a is a is really a case study in taking all of these different countries together mm-hmm. and giving them a way to mesh uh, and it's a. a, a uh, a, a form of globalization because now if you have a European Union passport, you can go to almost any country in Europe with with relative ease. It's just like flying from Virginia to New York or oh, yeah. New York to California. It's very easy. And uh, the 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 problem with that though is like you know when, when you have all these countries unified together like that, uh, some countries feel like they're uh, losing their identity. They feel like they're not uh, they're not the uh, the country that they once were. Sure. It, it, Italy deals with a populism problem, and uh, it, that you had a couple referendums that were going on throughout Europe over the past couple of years. The most recent and most obvious one was Brexit right. that happened in 2016. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, one that these populist movements are, are are going across uh, across Europe, just like they're going across our country as well. Right. Um, you know, the, the the question of of a nation state's place in you could even call it a, a federated a federated system it, like the European Union is: Do we have the rights to defend ourselves in ways that will not violate? The, the nature of the European Union. I mean, let's not forget why the European Union became a thing. Europe destroyed itself, destroyed all of its wealth twice. And it was rebuilt through the Marshall Plan. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, and they said, listen, never again, we cannot attack each other like that. We're literally a really small, you know, part of the world, but we're very powerful, or at least we were, and we, we destroyed ourselves over what? Over nationalism, over, over hatred of the other. And now you look at it in the populist movements, like you mentioned in Italy. The what do they call it? The Five Star Movement. In yeah, Italy? Five Star Movement in, is the is yeah. the big one. And yep. in France, it's a national front. Mm-hmm. It's a national front that's with Marine Le Pen. Yeah, yep. Marine Le Pen. In Germany, you have the uh, you have neo neo not Nazis, but they're ne- neo. Uh, I don't know. Okay, you, yeah. you got me. It's I, like neo conservatism. Well you know, like in in Germany. You know, huh? It's called like neo conservatism. Oh Germany, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's a challenge, and at the same time, as as you have these nationalists come out from the far right, you have people that rededicating themselves to communism. Hmm. I mean, and it's and folks, I'm not pro communism. The, the the biggest destroyer of the killer of people in the world was communism. It's a fact. It killed over a hundred million people in the twentieth century. 
the, the communist forces. It's and you 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 sit in the middle and you go, huh, okay, uh, what do we do? Mm. In Europe, Europe is a fascinating case study of that. Yeah, and I mean. Uh, whether it, it, it's just one of the, it's it's unprecedented. It's never happened before in the world, and mm. it may never happen again. Eventually, in our lifetimes, or or longer down the road, it could be a point where the European Union either ceases to exist, mm-hmm. or it becomes even more bolstered uh, in in a way that uh, somehow companies are able to find their footing as as France, as Germany, as Italy, while still being able to maintain the economic integration that uh, creates so many benefits. Right. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's when when you look at the, the economies of, of Europe by themselves, not that powerful anymore. They're not that big either. But if you put them together as a European Union, you have a, you have a, you have a, a market zone that is larger than the economy of the United States. A, mar- a larger market share, and that's and that is what's keeping the European Union together. There are people in in Brussels and Belgium that handle the euro that are trying to advocate for federalism, meaning that they would come together similar to our states in the United States, so they could proper properly allocate funds to actually have a, a, a proper military strategy. Because they go, should we should we do our own national forces? Do we do NATO? Do we do the European mm. Union military? It's a it's a fucking mess, man. Again, I guarantee you that's probably why some people are just pissed off and like, you know what, this sure. would happen if we were just our own country. Like, yeah. if we weren't a part of this uh, this, this union, this trade block and right. all that, we wouldn't even have to worry about it. Although I'm, but, not, I'm not a fan of using the word, like, you know, Brexit, right? That was a nice one. That was fine. Makes sense. But every time we talk about a country leaving the European Union, we shouldn't call it Frexit or Grexit or... Italian exit. Uh, I, oh, it's called Italyve. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> wow. Italyve. So, you know, I don't know who makes these up. Some journalist oh. gets to be just sitting there at home going, what are we going to uh, use? I got another one. Czech yeah. Republic. Yeah. Check out. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's like when people, it's like people that use like gate after everything because of Watergate. You yeah. Know? And it's like, guys, it's a fucking hotel. All right. Yeah. We don't have to. Deflate gate. Right. Deflate. You know what I mean? Like just foolishness. Yeah. So it's, that's hilarious. It's pretty ridiculous. Uh, so what do you want to? Where would you like to fly, buddy? Would you like to um, fly? I'm gonna give you some options. Would you sure. like to fly south to the southern hemisphere, or would you rather go north to the northern hemisphere? Ooh. Um. Let's go. Let's go south. Want to go south? Let's okay. Go you, south. You, I'm you, feeling tropical. You want to go? You want to go South America, or you want to go like the Southeast Pacific? What do you want to do? Ooh, let's do South America. Okay, we're going to have South America. So, South America, uh, speaking of communism, so we have socialist countries in, in South America that actually continued to do decently well for many years after a lot of socialist countries went under. Right. And a lot of them are, are in, for example, uh, Venezuela, right? Mm-hmm. Venezuela had has, has a socialist leader. Uh, it was Chavez at first, and now it's a, guy, it's a former bus driver named Maduro, uh, Nicolas Maduro. Mm-hmm. And... It, they did well, like Venezuela did well for a long time because they had oil wealth, and then oil prices and oil, uh, the barrel of oil, shot down in the past right. five years. It's why we all have cheap gas now. Remember when gas was like three fifty a pop? Oh gosh, it was four bucks. I remember. Yeah, it was awful. So mm-hmm. it was, uh, ooh, and uh, so that was that was a challenge, and they were supported by countries like Cuba, uh, like uh, you know the former Soviet Union, but of recently. In the past three years, there's been massive shortages of, of goods, of services, of food, of pay, uh, and people are starving, and people are getting jailed, and people are protesting and being killed in Venezuela. And, and so 
you know, in places like Caracas, which is a, the capital of Venezuela, uh, it used to be a very vibrant, safe city, and now it's one of the most violent places in the world. And and it's unfortunate because it's just it's real, real good people are from Venezuela. There's good Venezuelans, and it's a damn shame that they people drive countries into the ground. Yeah, uh, I I don't know. I'm not very well versed in everything that's going on in Venezuela, but. I do know that well, they deal with a extreme, uh, <laughs> difficult situation of hyperinflation. Right. Their money cannot buy. First of all, their do- their their own national currency is losing value, and they need more and more of their depreciating currency just to buy more expensive, expensive, expensive items. Right. It's just a which then all of these economic struggles are what lead to. Uh, the anarchy and chaos that takes to the streets that and, and manifests in murder. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, it's you can't pay a thousand dollars for a loaf of bread. It's impossible. You just cannot mm. do it. It's it's not okay. Right. Um, here's here's a little bit. Here's some numbers for Venezuela that you look at. Okay. You look at the fact that uh, a person in Venezuela, a person murdered every twenty one minutes uh, in Venezuela. Uh, there's 24,000 violent deaths last year. Jeez. Um, and uh, let's see, there's a 56% inflation rate in Venezuela, 50% increase in budget deficit, and uh, the, you know they basically have no bu- their bonds are junk status. It's, right. It's it's and there's no and there's no food. There's no food for people. There's no toilet paper. There's no there's no medical supplies for these people in Venezuela. And it's a fucking shame, man. It it really is, and. Uh I I don't even have an idea for how to even begin to 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 fix it. I think at first it starts with maybe the government. You oh, you yeah. you uh, you go in and you and you clean house. Like I, I really have no idea. Well, President but Maduro I'm, needs to resign. That's what he needs. Yeah. To do. You know he can't be he can't be using the the, the police to uh, to keep killing people like that. It's it's, it, it's terrible. And his close buddies were the Castros in Cuba. Mm. And speaking of, speaking of, uh, no more Castros in Cuba. Well, I mean, not no more Castros, but they're no longer leading the country. Yeah, uh, uh, Fidel and Raúl, the and brothers. Raul, yeah, the um, so the Cigar Boys. They, they just uh, so Castro just stepped down from mm. his from his role of president. Raúl uh, did. Raúl uh, Fidel. Step down and Raul replaced him. He's a little bit older. Ten years ago. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Um, but um, Raul stepped down, and effectively, a man by the name of Miguel Diaz Canel is now the president. And Who the hell is that? It's uh. So basically, he was this guy that just went through all the rankings of you know you start at the bottom of of your na- of your national party, and he did all of the right things. He he worked his way up. He didn't do anything particularly groundbreaking for Cuba. He. He, I mean, and when I say that, I mean, <laughs> when, when, I, when I say that, I mean that he he did what the party needed him to do. It wasn't like he was, uh, I've got this revolutionary idea to spring Cuba into the 21st century. It's not like that. He uh, he did what he was like. He, you know, he, he had a great career. The, right. And he, and they say that this, this gentleman, this, what's his name? His name is Miguel Diaz Canel. Oh. Can- 
Great, yeah. great name though. Mm-hmm. Um, he he. Every major infrastructure project that that or and project in Cuba that that they had uh, throughout the years, you know, for the past 25 years, 25, 30 years. Right. He's been involved with. He's been he's been working with the Castros to do that. So it's it's you know if you if you want to keep a social uh, you know a socialist country uh, like that, then uh, I guess they made a good choice. But they, they you know, did. They uh, the the the. the I'm pro democracy in Cuba. Just letting you know. <laughs> I'm pro democracy. Sorry. The uh, the art the articles that I read about about this because I I didn't even expect to see a headline that said Castro stepping down. Yeah. But um, the question is, does anything really change? And the the answer to that is uh, probably not because because first of all, Castro is still very much involved in the political in, in the political sphere, though he's not the president. He's the I believe he's the leader of the National Party still, yep. which means he has big sway. Oh yeah. And he's going to still have a massive input. On whatever uh, goes on politically in Cuba, he's Raúl Castro. He's going to he's, if he wants yeah. something done, he's going to be done. Yeah, he's not going anywhere despite the figurehead changing. Right, and so, you know, uh, what what does that does that mean that Americans are going to start flying into Cuba? Probably not. There, there's been there's been like American tourists have been uh, reporting like. Loss of hearing, like oh. very weird, like. Well, not to- here's a, here's what it is. So they're not tourists. They were at the U.S. embassy, mm. and the workers there started feeling like headaches and and uh, noises and all that. And they the U.S. government has said that they they think that the Cubans use hypersonic weapons on those people. Yikes! Yikes is right. I mean, we're getting to a place where people are getting attacked by weapons like rays that we cannot see. I mean, that's like getting attacked with Wi-Fi. Yeah, you know, it's which what, already happens, which definitely does happen. Yeah. So let's jump from these from the uh, the island countries, and uh, where do you want to go? You want to go to Australia, or would you like to go to? Hmm, where do you want to go? How about do you want to go to Asia, or do you want to go to Australia? I like Australia. Okay, Australia, Aussie. Uh, one two thirds of the uh, Great Barrier Reef uh, have uh, is is gone. Yeah, it's gone. dying. It's yeah, one yeah. of the, one of the national wonders. Yeah. Is currently dying, and it's because of pollution and human interaction with yeah. such. Touching these coral reefs automatically fucks with the system more than any human could perceive. Than any punk record could ever fuck with the system. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, it's a fucking shame, man. I mean, here's the thing. So right now we live in the one of the greatest crises. That nobody really talks about the pollution of the ocean. Mm. We're, we're massively polluting the oceans, yep. and when we're in our forties, we're gonna have to, or we should deal with it now, really. But there's gonna be a, you know, we might wake up and and instead of it being the last white rhino has died, it's gonna be the Great Barrier Reef is dead. Yeah, and we're gonna have one of those. Maybe we become one of those Nicolas Cage uh, uh, day after tomorrow movies. Bro, yeah. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I mean, that's that's even on that note. You know, in the day after tomorrow, the whole thing was that the North Atlantic Kirk, uh, uh, gyre, gyre yeah. that was that that uh, pushes the Gulf Stream up. Like yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. It's now weakened. It's forty percent weakened than last year. I mean, mm. this is why we're getting a lot of this crazy, terrible weather. And you know, I don't think that we're gonna have uh, Nicholas Cage and Jake Gyllenhaal be able to save our lives. Yeah, and we can't really go live 
in the God bless you. <laughs> bless you. Excuse me. Were they in the Metropolitan Museum? Is that where they were? Uh, I believe. Ooh, they were. I think they were in the New York Public Library. Oh yeah, they were. That made that movie was really good. But there are some situations where they're like, "Oh my God, we have to get inside because we're going to freeze and the freeze is coming." They run and close yeah, the door, yeah, yeah. and then they're like, "The freeze comes." I'm like, "That is not how." I I, I just realized. Works. I think that might have been Dennis something. Yeah, it was that Dennis. Was, uh, not Christina. Just Dennis uh, Quaid. Dennis Quaid. It yeah. was Dennis Quaid. But there's definitely a there's definitely an apocalypse movie Nicolas Cage in it. Is it? I th- I'm pretty sure there is. Well, I mean, but regardless, you mean the one when he stole the Declaration of Independence? Oh yeah, that's pretty bad too. Probably accurate. The guy's just a visionary. Yeah. Well, um, you know, let me ask you a question. When you're uh, sitting at your office, dreading the fact that uh, that the North Korean dictator is going to be nuking nuking Hoboken, New Jersey, mm. and uh, you're and you know maybe hitting Manhattan, but maybe when you're sitting in your office and you're saying, well, maybe we're going to have a peace agreement, or maybe I'm just never going to be able to see the Great Barrier Reef, your buddy comes up to you and he's like, hey man, what's happening? So I'll answer your question with another question. I like it. Do you like getting drunk on airplanes? I do. I enjoy it. Perfect. Yes. So I, I do I, too. That's how I fall asleep on long flights, to be I, honest with you. I, I, I do too. I love drinking on airplanes. I think it is so much fun. That's the and most, uh, by the way, that's the most bougie thing you've ever said in my life. <laughs> I love drinking on airplanes. Oh, please. Oh, I have my land in first class, we, I love to drink. We, we haven't even gotten to the bougie <laughs> part of it yet. Oh, no. Don't, don't you worry. Oh, excuse me. I didn't so, want to interrupt. I was, I was returning. I was on my way to go study in Rome, okay. and they offered us like complimentary wine. Love it. Because we're over international waters. I was still under 21, yeah. but international waters you can drink uh, if you're over the age of 18. Camaric, go. So, like, ball, <laughs> ball out. And ball so, out, bro. So, um, I, I saw this article the other day, and it talks about uh, it, it talks about the kinds of wines that airlines all over the world serve. Ooh. And so the, the the discussion was when you're on ground, when you're when you're let's say taxiing on the runway, what's the quality of wine that you're being served there versus the kind of quality of wine you're being served when up in the air? And you'd be shocked; it's actually pretty drastic. I know. I wouldn't have never thought of that. So. Uh, here, here's an extreme for you. Okay. Uh, a travel blogger once caught a Delta airline serving Andre pre-departure. Hmm. Andre champagne pre-departure. That's about eight, nine bucks a bottle at most. Yeah. And uh, But then when, when, when you get up in the air, they're serving $20, $20, $25 bottles of wine, which is a big difference it when you're looking at, at that kind of thing. And here's the reason. Um, I promise we won't get too granular into the why no. this happens. Granular, but man. The uh, the taxes. When you're on the ground, you're gonna serve you're gonna serve a lower price wine because of the sales tax that you're gonna have to be paying on that wine. But when you're in international international uh, zones. International waters. Yeah, you're not paying sales taxes, so you serve the more expensive. Uh, you serve the more expensive uh, wines, and so the Wall Street Journal did a like a survey, and they asked a bunch of wines via the menus. What are the what? Are, what's your highest brand that you uh, sell, and what's your what's your lowest price brand that you sell? So, like, if you wanted to look at some of the ones that we all know, United Airlines, uh, twenty two dollar twenty sixteen Domaine Joseph, blah 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 from France. Mm. The low the low was a seventeen dollar bottle from France. If you want to get a little extreme, you know Emirates, very luxury, love luxury airline yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Uh, Forty one dollar is the highest uh, uh, Bordeaux, mm. uh, and then a twenty dollar uh, Riesling from Germany. Huh. Um, I you know what this is actually good information to just 
No. Yeah, I, it's it's cool. I didn't know that. It, it, is that why they have when you go to airports and you can get uh, you can buy like booze and stuff at the duty free? Yeah. Yeah, du- okay, duty free because okay. you're not paying taxes on that makes it. Sense. That and makes that's sense. why you can't be like, oh, uh, I'm going to buy. It. You have to buy it on the other side of security right. because otherwise you're trying to not pay taxes. And you're and literally that's not breaking cool. the law. Of the yeah. yeah. Like that's not cool. Um, huh, that's but, really interesting. So that was like my like fun fact of the day. It was just it was very fascinating to kind of learn how these different uh, these different airlines are going to be serving uh, different kinds of lines depending on whether you're uh, in the air or whether you're not. And granted, this is only happening. This isn't going to happen on your local domestic flights. No, no, no. This is happening on international flights. But uh, listen, if you pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's important information if you like getting drunk on airplanes. Uh, absolutely, big fan. Big fan. Big, I mean, that's how I fall asleep. So Jay, I mean, when when you uh, you know you're climbing on your flights to uh, fly out to uh, the other part of the world, so we can learn more and have more podcast segments. I and like you it. Sit down next to uh, you. Sit down next to a mustache wearing uh, a mustache wearing man who is telling you about his new travel blog and how he uh, he's going to uh, change the world with his insights. And then the 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 waitress walks up to you. The 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 uh, you know, the airline the airline attendant steward and steward. They walk up to you and they're like, oh, "Hello, sir. Do you like anything to drink?" And you're like, "I don't know. What's on the wine? What's what's on the wine list? What's happening?" I like it. So I would ask them, "Did you hear about the woman that called the police to her house, the ambulance to her house, because her raccoon got too high? <laughs> her pet raccoon?" Oh no. So this woman. Uh, by the way, uh, we're recording the day after 4:20, the international smoking holiday. So mm. happy 4:20, happy holidays to all of you smokers out there, you podheads. Well, you one day we'll have legalization you, marijuana. You podheads. You podheads. High five. Oh, there it is. That was great. I hope Snoop Dogg le- came down your chimney and left presents. Ah man, when the Snoop Dogg plane, you know, you know how he actually flies. He gets the reindeer high. <laughs> that was good. That was not that good. Anyway, so the rain, uh, the reindeer, fuck. Okay, so the police and the ambulance were called to a woman's house because her pet raccoon, yes, mm. her pet raccoon, got too high on weed. Very interesting. And she thought it was dead, and she wanted help on that. So um, if, you know, first and foremost, I, I wouldn't have a pet raccoon because that's... Well, would you have a pet raccoon? No. Yeah, I, I think no. they're a little, little sneaky bastards. Yeah. Raccoons I'm are sneaky bastards. Not interested. If you look like you're about to rob my house by being born, like a raccoon does, like raccoons look like they're about to like sneak into somewhere. Yeah, always. Yeah. Always. No, I'm a dog person. Yeah, I'm a dog. I like cats too, you know? Oh. Nah. Ugh. Should we tell, should we talk about what you learned about snakes yesterday? Oh gosh, it freaks me out. Well, we'll finish your raccoon. Oh, I'm gang. so sorry. Hi. I'm sorry. So they came here and the rack. So the woman got arrested because you know the you shouldn't have a pet raccoon. B you shouldn't be getting your raccoon high. No, you, it's not cool. Don't do that. And then the stewardess would say, "I don't give a shit, sir. What do you want from my Air France wine?" <laughs> and I would say, "Mustache guy likes it." He'd be like, "Yeah, I did. I like, loved it." Like the cab salve. I loved it. The Catholic. <laughs> I I would probably go with a nice a nice white wine and just chug the shit out of it and then fall asleep. The bougie level is just escalating exponentially on this podcast. I'd be it's like, hi, uh, do you have friends? Yeah. Ooh. I was like, I'm like boxed wine. May so. I slop la Um, it's actually of Franzia juice boxes. That's not bad idea. I mean, I think it's it's funny that our 
you know, you know how us millennials are killing everything like chilies and we eat avocados and we're putting businesses out of business because they're stupid. Mm. Um, one thing that we're doing is infant, uh, you know, making things that we liked as, a, as in the past and just like adding alcohol. So like juice boxes, alcohol, uh, sippy cups, alcohol, <laughs> you know, like all of it, man. I mean, it's 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 so foolish, but it's fun. Gummy bears. Gummy bears. Marijuana. <laughs> like, yeah, seriously, it's, it's ridiculous. Like if you go to the if you go to a movie theater in California, make sure you get the right kind of you know of gummy bears. Because yeah, you could be eating be them surprised, and then get a little THC uh, uh, poisoned. Exactly, like a raccoon. So, so br- briefly, uh, briefly, apprise briefly. our apprise our listeners on our snake uh our snake uh so me me and cousin sean scared the hell out of uh out of thomas yesterday td fizzle because very wigged out uh wigged out bro because he learned from us that when you have a pet snake Mm. and it lays next to you like lies down next to you and you're like oh my god it's cuddling with me how cool is my snake right do i have the coolest snake in the world or or what Mm -hmm. and then what they're really doing is they're basically using their body as a ruler and saying how big do i have to get to eat this mother trucker yeah and uh that is just yeah that freaks me out just thinking about it that's like it's my pet scheming to betray me scheming to get bigger so it can eat me yeah screw that man i i I don't like it yeah and it's like when when you hear people have like pet like people don't have pet anacondas what what do they They have have pet anacondas pet pet yeah but like things that literally can grow and and do and kill you yeah it, 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 I have first of all, I'm, I mean, clearly, I'm not a snake guy, Ugh. but Ugh. but the fact that my 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 pet anaconda or whatever my pet big snake that's not a garden snake in New Jersey <laughs> is is sleeping next to me, sizing me up oh, yeah. so it can think about how much it has to dislocate its jaw and swallow me. Is just a little unnerving. And meanwhile, know. meanwhile, you're just like, wow, I love my snake. Like it's really cool. It's like, so cuddly. I'm a big fan of my snake loving me and, yeah. and wanting to be my friend. You ever no think thanks. a dog is thinking about eating you? Don't answer that. Yeah. Do you think dogs? No, 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 dude. Dogs, no, no. dogs, dogs have like such an unwavering and unconditional loyalty and love for you. Unless you that's die, why, and that's why people think that dogs are stupid. But I think I think a dog will eat you only if it's locked in the room with you and you die and it can't get out and needs to eat something. So like, no. I'm not entertaining. That. Well, it's, it was an episode of Shameless. That's why. Oh my god. That's All right, that's why I don't get it. That's okay. Uh, great show. <laughs> so um, just to to wrap this bad boy up, uh, the the Pod Book Club is going mm. strong. I just want to. How are your your thoughts on uh, Ready Player One? So I I crushed Ready Player One. Love it. It, it, it didn't stand a chance. Um, the you guys know this. Uh, Steven Spielberg just released his. He directed. Ready Player One, Stevie the movie. Stevie Spielies. Yeah, man. He um he just came out with the movies. So far, so good for the ratings. Uh, what, what I've heard the biggest critique is that uh, don't go in there expecting the book. You're right. going to be disappointed. And that makes sense. The book's about 360, uh, 80 pages, whatever, and uh, it's a fantastic book. Great for someone like me that was a total nerd in grade and grade school, high school, and still a nerd now because everything that was said in it made sense. It's a book that's obsessed with 80s culture. It was just a real page turner. Strongly recommend as a pickup. Do you it's, think, it's very good. Do you think that, I think 80s culture is making a comeback with Stranger Things and the and you know synth music and all that? A little bit of a theme. Tron. Yeah, all Tron. That stuff. Do you Tron think, was a little bit more of the earlier. Yeah, do you think in it? like five years it'll be like, we'll go back to like 
Loving the 90s again? Yeah, and then people are going to start wearing baggy clothes. I don't doubt that. It could totally uh, happen. I would hate for that to come back, man. I'll, I don't know. Terrible. Hey, look who's behind you. I'm uh, So now I'm on to my next book called Dark Matter. Ooh, uh, yes. It's a, it's a sci-fi, uh, sci-fi book, and I don't really know how to describe it. I don't really want to describe it too much because the book is, the book is very much a page-turner, and it, the shit gets real very quickly. It's a great, it's a fictional book about a man named Jason Dessen who's living with his family uh, in the suburbs of Chicago right next to Lake Michigan. And uh, his life changes in the course of one night over uh, a couple hours. And uh, everything is different. Okay. He is, and he's, he's in, he wakes up in a world that is not his own. What does that mean? Read the book and find out. I'm about 50% of the way through and it is, Incredible what what I've read so far. Maybe I'm overselling it, but uh, I've I've been really enjoying it. So uh, that would be my uh, pod book club recommendation. So we have it. So it's Dark Matter by uh, Crouch. 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 Bar- Barty Crouch and Harry Some, Potter. Something Grouch. It's G R O U C H. He's hot dog Grouch. Well, that's awesome. I'm, I'm I want to read it because you it, it totally inspired me to read it be- because it sounds amazing. Gosh, I, I do I do want to read I do want to read Ready Player One. Uh, I just finished, or oh, I finished Dune last week. Super good book. Uh, reread it. I recommend it. Something I'm reading right now, which is totally out there, but it's uh, it's called the uh, Necronomicon, hmm. and it's it's a book that talks about the uh, the story of the Mad Arab, and it connects to an author called H.P. Lovecraft, who happens to be from Providence. And okay. Have you ever heard of the 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 fictional Cthulhu, like the mystical Cthulhu? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the uh, uh, it's the uh, basically this like uh, sh- robe shrouded yeah. uh, uh, walking octopus. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, it's, Cthulhu. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, my buddy, shout out to Matt Belts and the boys of the Manor. Uh, he get let me borrow the Necronomicon. That's a hard word to say. It sounds confusing. It's like anonymy. Anonymy. Anonymity. You touched the butt. He touched the butt. So it's great, and it talks about the story of the Mad Arab and about the you know just the history of of the 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 battle between the light and the dark. It's it's very good. It's it's basically Western. Western mysticism, Western uh, Gnosticism, G N O C I S M. It's it's uh, very interesting, and I will. Uh, it's definitely freaking out there, but I love it. Uh, cool. Yeah, it's an H P Lovecraft, great author. He uh, he's like a he's like a Edgar Allan Poe kind of guy. He's actually interesting. A, he's actually a Rhode Islander that moved to Brooklyn, lived there for a while, hated it, and then moved back to Providence and lived mm. the rest of his life. There it is. Crazy. <laughs> so I think that we we are doing a good job establishing our book club. We're also going to be doing the the pod beer a beer taste. Yeah. Uh, so beer taste. That's a kind of a working title. The working title. Uh, effectively, J- Jay and I figured something out pretty uh, pretty easily. We, we like, like to beer. drink. We <laughs> like we like beer specifically, and um, and uh, so I I, I was, uh, was I, I, I turned to Jay and I was like Jay. We should we should rate beers for our podcast because uh, for our podcast listeners because uh, why not? Yeah. And so we're going to. Uh, you all definitely be... love to drink. And yeah, what are you talking about you know, listen to us. The, the, these won't be these won't be a free formed. Uh, the, these will be mostly. We might even have our first episode out before this podcast even comes out. But um, yeah, we will. So uh, surprise! Hope you enjoyed it. Let us know if you liked it or not. Tough but, um, die, folks. The. Uh, 
uh, we're going to be it's not going to be part of a podcast segment we're thinking it'll be more of a video interactive very informal but just a way to rate beer and uh let and also tell us what beers you want folks the podcast network okay is is going is building it's going we're gonna have some fun with it we're gonna drink some beer we're gonna record and we're gonna enjoy the day and we're excited to bring it to you so um the the pod book club uh drinks with the pod and i don't know i'm just trying to kind of flesh it out a little bit. yeah well we'll work it we'll work, we'll work on it out it. but um but um so here here we are jay we're on a beautiful saturday and i think it's time to get the hell out of our personal studio and uh go, go seize the day let's go drink some beer let's do it uh, and so from all of us we will see you in manhattan on in, on manhattan island and from all of us at the pod here my name is jg wedgemont and i am uh, thomas defazio and thank you for listening we're signing off see you next time ciao ciao You, the public. You asked for him back at Panther Hall. Panther Hall's got him back for you tonight.